Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. So regardless of how we seek to express personal revenge, many people live by the old adage, I don't get angry, I just get even. And they will get even. But this attitude of evening the score is not new to our world. We may encourage it. We may overreact by the emphasis on rights today, but it isn't something new for our day. The people of Christ's day were experts at personal vengeance. It seems that there are innumerable stories of revenge. I once read uh, that a man asked young Abe Lincoln to sue an impoverished debtor for two and a half dollars. Lincoln tried to talk him out of suing someone so poor, but the man insisted. Finally, Lincoln agreed to sue the man for $2.50 as requested, but charged the plaintiff $10. Lincoln then gave $5 to the defendant. And the strange thing about it was that the plaintiff was happy with the outcome. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today, Pastor Steve will be continuing our study of the Sermon on the Mount as we move on to the part where Jesus addressed retaliation. I think this may be one of the most misquoted and misused portions of the entire Bible. And it's not because it's hard to understand. It's because our hearts are hard. Grab your Bible if you can and follow along. Here's Pastor Steve to begin our lesson. Well, let's open our Bibles once again to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue in the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to read to you some uh, very interesting verses, verses that have been misunderstood by many. But we're going to dig in this morning. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 38, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Of all that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, these verses are probably the most misunderstood, misinterpreted, and certainly misapplied verses found anywhere. They have been described in a number of ways. They have been called the hard sayings of Jesus. They have been called the most difficult verses in the Bible. They have also been called hyperbole and impossible. And they have been called commands for another world. They seem so out of touch with our world. In fact, one Bible teacher said that if anybody other than Jesus had uttered these words, we would be prone to dismiss them as coming from some out-of-touch visionary who didn't really understand the the human heart and and human nature. But these words didn't come from an out-of-touch visionary. They came from Jesus. They came from our Lord. 
And though they are certainly radical and they are revolutionary, they are commands to be lived out in this world now. Not in some future millennial kingdom, but here and now. Kingdom living here and now. Now, there are others who've come along and said, you know what? These verses are certainly for our world and we'd like to see them applied to our world. And what those who have uh, interpreted this way, that these are definitely for our world and they need to be applied in our world, what they tend to do is isolate these verses from their context and, and use them to promote the elimination of all law enforcement officials, including policemen, soldiers, judges, because they say by their very work, they are called upon to resist evil. And didn't Jesus say in this passage, do not resist an evil person? In fact, the Russian writer and social reformer Leo Tolstoy based his famous novel, War and Peace, on this very passage of Scripture. And here's what he wrote. He said, It is impossible at one and the same time to confess Christ as God, the basis of whose teaching is non-resistance to him that is evil, and consciously and calmly to work for the establishment of property, law courts, government, and military forces. But you know what? Tolstoy was wrong. He completely missed the point of what Jesus meant by these words about resisting evil. And many people have. He's not the, he's not the only one. In fact, Martin Luther, the German reformer, showed how ridiculous one can get if you take Christ's words out of context and, uh, and not resist evil in, in any setting. He told, Luther told the bizarre story of someone who went so far in his view of not resisting evil that he actually let some, some lice nibble at him and he refused to kill the bugs because in doing so, he would be resisting evil. Now, Martin Luther didn't believe that, but he told that bizarre story of someone. So question is, what did Jesus mean when he said, do not resist an evil person? Did he mean no national defense for our country or for that matter, for any country? Did he mean that we shouldn't be fighting terrorists today? Did he mean no police, no army, no courts of law? Did he mean lots of lice and other critters just nibbling away without any opposition? Of course not. Of course not. Jesus had nothing of that in mind. Like all the other verses that we've been studying in the Sermon on on the Mount, we have to understand this passage in its context. If you lift a passage of Scripture out of its context, you can manipulate and twist the Bible to, to make it seem as if it's teaching anything you want it to teach. The context is that Jesus has been explaining the true interpretation of certain Old Testament laws. He said in chapter 5, verse 17, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. In response to, to some who might have said about Christ that, that Jesus is teaching something new, that Jesus is teaching something novel, that Jesus is teaching something that never has been taught before. His response is, no, I'm teaching what the Old Testament taught when it comes to, to moral standards, when it comes to righteousness. I don't have some novel teaching. I haven't come to destroy the law. I've come to affirm it. In other words, Jesus, in doing this, was explaining then the correct meaning of several Old Testament laws because the rabbis and the scribes and Pharisees of his day had corrupted the law. They had misinterpreted the law, willfully misinterpreted the law. And so the Lord Jesus is coming along and saying, this is what the law says, and this is what it meant, not what they say 
it has meant, but I'm telling you the true meaning, and my teaching is consistent with this. In fact, my teaching is the same. Now, his purpose in doing this wasn't really to give a theological lesson on how to interpret the Bible, although there are great truths about that here. He's not giving us a a lesson on hermeneutics, which is the, the art of interpreting the Bible, but rather what he's doing is explaining to his followers the high and the holy standards of true, genuine righteousness. He wanted his disciples to understand how they were to live in this fallen world in order to please God. Because as he said in verse 20, if you look at chapter 5, verse 20, which is really probably the key verse in the entire Sermon on the Mount, but I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He's telling us that the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees was insufficient, and he's not calling true believers to add to what they were doing. Well, if they did this, you have to do a lot more. He's saying what they have is not righteousness at all. They have a legalistic observance. They have simply conformity to certain codes that they've come up with, some misinterpretations. It's all outward. It's all for appearance. It's all false piety. What you have to have is a genuine heart response, a genuine love and commitment to the truth. And now Jesus is saying, here's what the truth really is. So he was simply teaching the citizens of his kingdom, how God expected them to behave with godly inner attitudes and motives as well as proper outward behavior. And so, having already explained the correct interpretation about the law of murder, the law of adultery, the law of divorce, and the law of oath-telling, Jesus moves on now to address a fifth law that had been corrupted by the Jewish leaders. It's, it's called the law of retribution, or sometimes referred to as the law of retaliation, commonly known by the phrase, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And once again, what Jesus has to say is most relevant, most important for us, because what he is really addressing here has, has nothing to do in our day about teeth and eyes. But it has everything to do about the attitude of revenge, of wanting to get back at somebody who hurts us, of wanting to get even, retaliate. It's that attitude that says, I have certain rights, and nobody's going to violate those rights without paying for it. If somebody hurts me or takes something from me, I have every right to strike back and and make sure they pay for what they've done to me. That's what Jesus is dealing with. And that is the spirit of personal vengeance, retaliation, that quite frankly dominates much of our thinking. Our society encourages it by overemphasizing our rights. Everybody's got rights. We see it when it first surfaces as children. It first surfaces when we're children, when our brother or sister hits us, and we, uh, we go to our parents and say, can I hit them back? And we are uh, hoping that they say yes. And we might not even ask that question. We might just do it. That's more realistic. On the athletic field, we have every right to, to, to think that we can get even with the person who tried to take us out on a play. Even if they didn't, they tried. And we'll make them pay for it. And as we get older, we find rather creative ways to punish people for violating our rights It might be by refusing to talk to them, giving them the silent treatment, punishing them. Could be the other extreme in that we just tell them off. We give them a piece of our mind. How dare they speak to me that way? I'm going to tell them what they need to hear. Or it might be even to just take someone to court to make sure that they pay for the, not only what they've done to us, 
but the mental and emotional damages that we've been forced to endure by, by their behavior. So regardless of how we seek to express personal revenge, many people live by the old adage, I don't get angry, I just get even. And they will get even. But this attitude of evening the score is not new to our world. We may encourage it. We may overreact by the emphasis on rights today, but it isn't something new for our day. The people of Christ's day were experts at personal vengeance, absolute experts. And the reason they were experts is that they went beyond us. They, they actually felt justified in seeking personal vengeance because they have been taught by their rabbis that this is what God wanted. That vengeance was actually uh, not only justified, but it was encouraged by God because they said this is what God teaches in his word. Now, why did they believe this? Because the rabbis taught them that the law demanded an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So if you didn't do this, you weren't obeying the law. So they said that this is a command of God. You have, you have not only a right to do this, that if you don't do it, you're not being righteous. And so that's why Jesus chose to explain the correct meaning of this often misinterpreted Old Testament law. And the way he did this was by, and it's the same pattern that he's done with all the others. He first gives the false erroneous view of this law as set forth by the scribes and Pharisees. And then he gives the true and accurate view of the law of retaliation as God intended it to be understood and as he affirmed its true meaning. So let's begin by looking at the false view of the law of retaliation. And you, you'll see how, how relevant this really is. Verse 38 says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The Lord begins his treatment of this law by making a direct quote, not from one verse, but this is actually from three verses. There are three verses in the Old Testament that all say the same thing. Exodus 21, 24, Leviticus 24, 20, and Deuteronomy 19, 20. They all say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Each of these verses deals with the same thing, the law of retaliation, which stated that if somebody poked out your eye, then their eye was to be poked out. If someone knocked out your tooth, then their tooth was to be knocked out. However, this law wasn't limited to teeth and eyes. It actually, that's just a sampling. It actually included a longer list of injured body parts, such as a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a fracture for a fracture, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, and a bruise for a bruise. So, so you get the point. If, if somebody does something to you, then it's done back to them. And the law of retaliation taught this, this very all-important principle, which is, by the way, the very foundation of justice being carried out in our society. And here it is, that the punishment of a crime must fit the crime and not exceed it. That's what the law of retaliation was about. By using the language of body parts, the law of retaliation was simply a, a very graphic way of saying that the penalty for a crime must match the crime. It should be nothing more and it should be nothing less. Now, you and I being removed from this may look at this and say, that's barbaric. That's savage. That's, that's really uh, something that, that sounds very cruel, but that's not true. It was actually intended to be a very merciful law because not only did it deter some crimes from ever taking place because people feared the punishment, but it also prevented retaliation from ever becoming excessive. 
and did it by restraining personal vindictiveness from being the rule of the day. In other words, the law of retaliation guaranteed that the punishment for a crime would not be disproportionate to the crime itself. So if you knocked someone's tooth out, they couldn't in anger break every bone in your body. Even though they, they felt like doing it, the law, this law prevented them from doing that. In fact, there's, there's a significant illustration of what happens in society when you don't have a law like this in place. You don't need to turn there, but story is found in Genesis 34. When one of Jacob's children, we tend to think that Jacob only had sons, the 12 sons of Israel, but he actually had a daughter named Dinah. And we read in, in Genesis 34 that Dinah was sexually defiled by a man named Shechem. He was the prince of a, of a king of a whole tribe, a whole, a whole village, a whole city. And when word reached Jacob's family about this, two of the brothers plotted vengeance upon not Shechem alone, but all the Shechemites, all the, all the men. And so what they did was they said, you know what? You want our sister to be in your family. You want to join families together, the Israelites and the Shechemites? Well, we'd like to do that. And you're going to have to have all the males be circumcised because we can't join with uncircumcised people. And so they, they agreed to do this, and they were deceiving them. And so when all the, the men, the Bible says in Genesis 34, were circumcised on the third day when they were in pain, the Bible says that the sons of Jacob came and, and slaughtered all the men of that whole people group, a whole people group wiped out. So instead of just dealing with the, the man Shechem who defiled their sister. This became a family feud. This became the McCoys and the Hatfields. And, and that's, that's what this law is dealing with. You don't do that kind of stuff. That's what happens when there is no law like this in place. And so when God gave the Mosaic legislation to the prophet, to Moses, he placed the law of retaliation in his own law for the purpose of protecting society from this type of vengeful overreaction. You, you can see how this would be very important. See, this law, made not only did it make sure that justice was carried out for crimes committed in the land of Israel, but it also controlled the innate desire among the people for personal and individual vengeance. So it had a twofold purpose. And the way it accomplished this, and now watch this, this is critical to the whole point, and this is where the Pharisees got it wrong. The way it accomplished this was by putting this law in the hands of impartial judges. Judges who decided the guilt or innocence of someone and then determined the punishment if a crime had been committed. In other words, th this law was restricted to the duly appointed judges in law courts throughout the land of Israel. It was not left up to the citizen. It was not left up to individual citizens to carry out, but rather to civil authorities. That's critical to understand because that is not how the ancient rabbis understood this, nor was this how the scribes or Pharisees of Christ's day understood this law. Instead of leaving this law in the hands of judges in the civil uh, law system, they twisted this law. They twisted it to mean that every man had the right to inflict justice on someone who harmed them, so that in essence, every man became his own judge, jury, and executioner. That's what they did. So instead of seeing this law as God's way of restraining 
personal retaliation. The Pharisees interpreted it as a personal license to retaliate. In other words, folks, they got it just the opposite of the way God intended it to be understood. They used this law to justify their craving for personal vengeance, the complete opposite of the divine intent. Now, in case you're thinking, well, I could see where they might misunderstand this. No, no, they purposely misunderstood this. They willfully misunderstood this. And let me show you what I mean. In Leviticus 19, in the very context of all these laws, Leviticus 19, verse 18, you should mark this down. God said, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. He also said the same thing in Proverbs 20, verse 22, the same concept. Proverbs 24, verse 29. You and I are not to take out personal vengeance on anyone. They, they could have known that. They should have known that. They did know it. They chose to ignore it. God gave this law and put it into the hands of impartial judges in order to curb man's inclination for personal revenge. But the rabbis decided on their own to take this law out of the court system, put it in their own hands to carry out their own personal vendettas against anyone who harmed them. And that's the error that Jesus is dealing with. That's the problem. That's the real issue here. The Pharisees disregarded the meaning and the intent of this law. And so when Jesus says in in verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, what he means is this. You have heard how the ancient rabbis and the scribes and Pharisees of our day have misused this law to validate their anger and holding grudges and carrying out personal revenge against others. That's what he's saying. And so once again, as with all the other laws that we've we've looked at, the Pharisees were guilty of manipulating the law to fit their own sinful desires, their own sinful lifestyles. And they wanted vengeance, and they got it because they pulled out of the Bible a biblical proof text to justify their vengeance. You know what? That's so typical of a legalist. This is so typical of a legalist back then. It's typical of a legalist today. A legalist will always find some way to justify his sin and try to look good in the process. Always find some way to excuse his sinfulness. And in the process of doing this, he'll, he'll try to look spiritual because perish the thought he should look unspiritual. He wants to look good. And his attitude will be something like this. After all, I'm just obeying the Bible. Isn't this what the Bible says? I mean, doesn't the Bible say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? So you can't fault me for obeying God. Sure you can. Sure you can, because they're twisting the Bible. See, that's how, how piety, false piety sounds. It's a false piety, but it's real hypocrisy, because that person isn't interested at all in obeying God. If they were interested, they'd know the truth. They just conveniently choose to ignore the truth. They just want revenge, and so they'll misrepresent God's word to get it. It's all about them. It's not about God at all. It's all about them. That's a legalist. It's all about their rights, their their self-assertion. It's all about them. People do like to lie about what the Bible says so that they can claim it supports their ungodly behavior and attitudes. 
and using an Old Testament law forbidding personal retaliation to support personal vengeance is just one of many examples. Let's be careful to approach Scripture in an attitude that seeks guidance rather than support for preconceived ideas. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you'd like to find out more about Lakeside, go online to lakesidechapel.com or call the church office at 727-441-1714. All of us at Verse by Verse are thankful for the generous listeners who give and pray for this ministry. We couldn't do this without you. If you've been blessed listening to these radio Bible classes and would like to make a gift to help cover our expenses, we have a special giving page on our website, versebyverseradio.org. It's easy, secure, and tax-deductible. You can also give by phone by calling the number I just mentioned, 727-441-1714. If you call outside of office hours, just leave your name and a daytime phone number, and we'll call you back. And let me remind you that there's an extensive audio library on our message archive page, and all those files are available at no charge. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. For thousands of years, people have twisted God's limit on punishment into a mandate for personal retribution. And ever since Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, his words about turning the other cheek have been misconstrued as a call to extreme pacifism. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Kreloff will again use context to bring clarity. I hope you can be here as we continue to unwrap the Sermon on the Mount and apply it to our own lives. We are here to give you strength between... Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.